Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning to those of you that are here in this house and those of you that are there in your house. It's good to have you. Uh, We're finding God in the music because it's August and it's our 12th season to find God in the music. This year our theme is songs that make you think. And we're ready for track four. So here's the story. A few years ago, a couple years ago, a year and a half ago I think, I don't know, Two years ago, I was in uh, Nottingham, England, hanging out with Robin Hood. And that's, not, that's not true. The Nottingham part was true. Uh, I was in Nottingham, and I was uh, with an Anglican church there, telling my water to wine story and teaching on prayer. And there was, if I remember correctly, I might get the details wrong, there was, a, I think he was a, a theology professor who was part of that team, and uh, he was also an amateur chef. And so he had some of us over to his apartment and fixed us a wonderful meal. He's kind of a renaissance man. He does lots of things, and he's also a musician. And he took me to his music room where he had all these vinyl records, and he was showing me his guitars, and we're just talking music, having a great time. And, and then he says, I've got a recommendation for finding God in the music. I get those all the time. I never pay attention to them, actually. Uh, I just, you know, I do this myself, and it's got to move me. It's got to be something I'm into. But, you know, I'm going to be polite, so okay. And he played me this song that I immediately loved. And I said, oh, that's genius. And uh, so what I did was I put it in my, my super top secret, not public playlist called Finding God in the Music Ideas. And uh, I put it in there. It didn't work for last year because last year was, you know, finding God on your turntable, vinyl, classic rock, and it's not that. Uh, But when I went to, uh, when I decided it was going to be songs that make you think, I thought, oh, that song's perfect. That was number one on my list. And so uh, here, here we go. Now the band, the artist, who is it? Uh, I doubt that many, if any, have heard of this band? I'll be interested to know. Uh, the band is Listener. Anybody familiar with Listener? If you're, if you're online and you know Listener, then you're just like, yeah, I know Listener. Okay, so Listener, what, what are they about? Well, they're great for one thing. I am now a fan. I'm officially a fan of Listener. Uh, it's kind of like spoken word poetry with rock music behind it or something like that. They call it talk rock. That's what they, how they describe it. When they play their heavier stuff, you know, I'm not going to give you a heavy one today, today but uh, when they play their heavier stuff, they sometimes remind me of Rage Against the Machine. Uh, or at times they remind me of, and th- this is a public service for y'all, Fontaine's D.C. Anybody heard of Fontaine's D.C.? That's my recommendation for a new band for you to get into. They're a new band out of Ireland. Check them out. With, start with their song, Boys in the Better Land. Not now. Wait till I'm done with the sermon, but later on. 
Fontaine's DC boys in the better land. So anyway, so, but the artist is listener. And so as part of my preparation for this, I just, you know, immerse myself in the artist's music for a week leading up to this. So all week long, I've been listening to, um, to this band, to, li- to listener. Um, they're, they're, they've, I've listened to three albums over and over and over all week. Wooden Heart, Time is a Machine, and Being Empty, Being Filled. And then I thought, well, okay, I've, I've got to learn about this band, too, because I always say a little thing about them. So I'm you know, getting online trying to figure out you know, what about the listener, and I found out they're from Kansas City. Kansas City. I thought, what the heck? And then as I continued you know, listening to them, I had this idea. I know a guy named Levi the Poet. Uh, we met... When we were, well, I was speaking at a conference in California. He was performing there. I absolutely loved his stuff. You, you really have to see Levi because he uses a lot of visual stuff and projectors, but he's awesome. He's fantastic. And we've stayed friends. We've stayed in touch. And, and I recommend his stuff, too. Check out Levi the Poet. When I, met, his, 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 I think his name is it's Levi McAllister, that's his real name, but he just totally goes by Levi the Poet. I, when I heard that, I thought, I want to go by BZ the Preacher, but it just wouldn't stick. Um, but I just thought, I thought, I wonder, I bet there's some similarities in what they do. And so I, I messaged Levi the Poet. I said, hey, Levi, BZ the Preacher here, and uh, perchance, do you know Listener? And he messages me back, they're my best friends. <laughs> and so uh, it's one of those small world things. I had to go all the way to Nottingham, England to learn about an artist that's right here in our neighborhood who's friends with one of my friends. Eh, that's crazy stuff. And uh, so anyway, uh, listener, if you're listening, <laughs> which you might, uh, I love your stuff. And if we ever get back to having live music again, come Lord Jesus... Uh, I really miss going to concerts because, you know, I love that. Uh, if, if we, when we get back there, listener, if you ever, I know you live in Kansas City. I don't know how often you play it, but they, they tour Europe a lot. Uh, let me know because I'll show up. All right, so what, what song am I going to work with? I'm going to work with a song called Wooden Heart. Um, you know, we, we, don't, we don't stream it, copyright stuff. We risk getting shut down, especially on Facebook. So those of you online can find it in the comments sections or just on your own. It's on YouTube um, with 1.8 million views, so you know it has been seen. Um, the song's called Wooden Heart. Uh, last, last week was Woodstock, and this week is Wooden Heart. And uh, so, are you ready? From Kansas City, listener, Wooden Heart. on their most honest day of living. Since that first breath, only grace that we've never given. Well, well, I've been haunted by standard red devils and white ghosts. It's not only when these eyes are closed. These lies are ropes. I tied into my stomach, but they hold this ship together, tossed like leaves in this weather. My dreams are sails that I point towards my true north, stretch thin up on my rib bones, and pray that it gets better. But it 
believe it will so, so I built a wooden heart inside this iron ship to sail these blood red seas and find your coast don't let these waves wash away your hopes this, this warship is sinking and I still believe in anchors pulling fistfuls of rotten wood from my heart oh, I still believe in saviors we are all made out of shipwrecks, every single board. Wash and bound like crooked teeth on these rocky shores. Come on, let's wash each other with tears of joy and tears of grief. And fold our lives like crashing waves and run up on this beach. Come on and sew us together. Just some tattered rags stained forever. We only have what we remember. Well, I'm the barely living son of woman, a man who barely made it. Thank you, listener. I love that. That's making me think. It makes me think. A lot of words, right? Hmm. A lot of words. I'm not going to give you all the words because it's all so many words, but they're good. But I'm going to, I got, I got a few here that I want to highlight. It opens with this killer line. We're all born to broken people on their most honest day of living. And since that first breast, we'll need grace that we've never given. Come on, we're all born to broken people on our most honest day of living. 
But I know that we're all made out of shipwrecks, every single board washed and bound like crooked teeth on these crooked shores. Yeah, that's a poet. I'm the barely living son of a woman and man who barely made it, but we're making it taped together on borrowed crutches and new starts. That right there, that line, that we're making it taped together on borrowed crutches and new starts. My throat, it still tastes like a house of fire and salt water. I wear this tide-like loose skin. Come on, rock me to see. If we hold on tight, we'll hold each other together and not just be some fools rushing to die in our sleep. While these machines will rust, I promise, we'll still be electric, shocking each other back to life. Oh, yeah, we need more than just the machines. Because these machines will rust, I promise, but we'll still be electric, shocking each other back to life. Because I know that our church is all made out of shipwrecks. When I heard that, line in that guy's apartment in Nottingham, England. I said, I'm using this one someday. Because I know that our church is all made out of shipwrecks. From every hole these rocks have claimed. But we pick ourselves up and try and grow better through the change. So come on, let's wash each other with tears of joy and tears of grief. And fold our lives like crashing waves and run up on this beach. Come on and sew us together. We're just tattered rags, stained forever. We only have what we remember. I know exactly how I'm going to preach this. And I knew it from the moment I heard it. But here's the thing. Once an artist presents their art to the public... They release the album. They perform the poem. They put the painting in the exhibit. Once the artist makes their work public, in some ways they lose it. And other people take a hold of it and they make it their own. And they bring various meanings to it. See, with art... There really isn't just one meaning. If, if, you want to, if you just want to say what you mean, you say it in prose. But when you start doing poetry, you're creating art, and it opens up for all kinds of meanings. I don't know if you understand this. That's why if you, if you ask Bob Dylan what one of his songs means, he just looks at you like, yeah, and doesn't say anything. Because... It's a piece of art that he's put out there, and then you're going to find out what it means, and it may mean something to you that it didn't mean to him, but that's how poetry and art work. So I'm going to preach this song, Wooden Heart. I'm not saying it's what the song means. I'm just saying it's how it speaks to me. Because I know that our church is all made out of shipwrecks. Listener. Acts. 27, 44. The rest were to follow, some on planks and others on broken pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. The Apostle Paul was no stranger to shipwrecks. He was in at least three of them. In Acts 27 we find a riveting account of a shipwreck in the ancient world with amazing detail. 
It was around the year 60. The Apostle Paul was a prisoner. He'd been a prisoner for a year and a half in Caesarea, where the Roman governor had his palace. There had been a couple of hearings before a couple of governors, and ultimately, though, Paul just appeals as a Roman citizen to be heard in the imperial court. And so he's going to be taken to Italy. They're going to sail from Caesarea to Italy and then go to Rome, where Paul will present his case before the emperor, Caesar Nero. The centurion in charge of transporting this prisoner and some other prisoners to Italy is a fellow named Julius. He was of the imperial cohort. And uh, they secured a ship, an Egyptian ship that operated out of Alexandria. They got it on the island of Cyprus and then from there they were going to sail to Italy. But they never made it. A few days into their journey, they got caught in a typhoon. There were 276 passengers on board. There's amazing detail in this. Uh, and they, they, were, they were the sailors, soldiers, prisoners, and then some were just passengers or travelers. 276 people on this ship, and it got in a typhoon. At one point, they knew they were near land, and the sailors were getting in the lifeboat because they knew that they were probably going to be dashed to pieces upon the rock. The ship was going to sink, and they were going to get into the lifeboat, escape onto the beach, and let the people, you know, the soldiers and the prisoners and the passengers fend for themselves. And Paul sees this happening, and he, he, tells, he tells Captain Julius, he said, if you let the sailors leave, we're all going to die. And so, this is just so cool. That, so then the centurion, the captain of the imperial cohort, Julius, he just gets out his sword and just hacks those ropes to the lifeboat and, and just falls into the sea and, you know, as if to say to the sailors, we're all in this together now. So they're going to have to try to do the best they can now to bring this ship to shore. It's a riveting account, Acts 27. And they almost make it. And then they crash upon the rocks. And the, uh, the ship is torn to pieces. They all end up in the sea. But all 276 people made it safely to shore. Some on planks, some on broken pieces of the ship. They all made it safely to shore because Paul had said this. I urge you now to keep up your courage. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For last night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, what, what, what do the angels always say? Do not be afraid, Paul. You have to imagine. This, this is occurring at night. Can you imagine being in a typhoon, in a shipwreck, at night? You can't see anything. And you know you're going into the sea. It would be terrifying. But an angel comes 
to Paul and says, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before the emperor. And indeed, God has granted safety to all those who are sailing with you. So keep up courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we will have to run aground on some island. My ship's been split to splinters, and I'm sinking fast. I'm drowning in the poison, got no future, got no past. But my heart is not weary, it's light and it's free. I've got nothing but affection for all those who've sailed with me. My clothes are wet, tied on my skin, but not as tight as the corner I've painted myself in. Stick with me, baby, stick with me anyhow. Things should start to get interesting right about now. This is more or less what happened. But they made it. All 276 of them dragged themselves onto the beach in their tattered rags. Now, when they were in the ship, it was very stratified. You had Julius, the Roman centurion in charge of the imperial cohort. You have the captain of the ship, and they butted heads now and then. But they're at the top. And then you have the sailors... And then you had the passengers. And then, least of all, the bottom, you have the prisoners. So they're all, you know, where your rank is, where you fit. They're all, they're all stratified in a social order. From captains and military officers all the way down to prisoners. But they all go into the sea. And, you know, Julius loses his imperial purple cloak and when they're dragging themselves up onto the beach, there's no longer any who's on top. Who They're all just survivors. You can't tell who's who. You can't tell the prisoner from the captain of the ship, from some just traveler, from some sailor. They're all, they're all the same now. They're just survivors. They're just barely making it. It's cold. It's rainy. We're told that. But they encountered kindness. The Maltese, the native inhabitants. I was reading about Malta yesterday. I think I want to go there. Can't go anywhere nowadays, but, you know, you can dream. And uh, the Maltese become aware of this shipwreck on their shores. And they rush out and they build a fire. I can, I can imagine them. they're bringing the blankets. They're helping these people. They're dragging themselves up out of the, out of the sea. And they're tattered rags, and they're, they're putting the blankets around them, and they're bringing them over to this, to this fire. And they're helping them out. They encounter that kind of kindness. And um, Paul got snake bit, you know. He, he was gathering some wood to add to the fire, and there was a snake in there, and it came out and bit Paul as a poisonous snake, but Paul just shook it off, and he was okay. This is an exciting story for sure. But it's more than that. It's a picture of the church. Because I know that our churches are all made out of shipwrecks. From every hull these rocks have claimed. But we pick ourselves up and try to go better through the change. So come on, let's wash each other with tears of joy and tears of grief. And fold our lives like crashing waves and run up on this beach. Come on and sew us together. We're just tattered rags stained forever. We only have what we remember. 
We've all found each other on a beach called Word of Life after our various shipwrecks. Come on, how many of you ever had a shipwreck? We've come ashore in our tattered rags with our stories of making it on broken pieces. Amen, Richard, I heard you. We made it on broken pieces, but the point is we made it. Some of you washed up on these shores with your broken theology. And you were hoping you could find something better than an angry God. Some of you washed up here with your broken life. Some of you came with your broken marriage. Your broken heart. Your broken hopes. Your broken dreams. But the point is, you made it. You found a safe place. You found a shore. We've come ashore in our tattered rags and with our stories of how we are making it on broken pieces. Some of you are natives. <laughs> Some of you are natives. I mean, you're, you were born here. I mean, some of you were, like, actually born, in this, born here. <laughs> Others of you were born again here. It doesn't matter. Born here, born again here, just washed up here. <laughs> you just found yourself, oh, where am I? You're like, you know, what's that Tom Hanks movie? Castaway, yeah. He just found himself. He didn't know where he was. So here we are. No matter who you are or how you got here, I can tell you this, we want to treat you with kindness. We'll bring out blankets and kindle a fire. That's what we try to do every Sunday. That's what we're doing, because it's cold and rainy out there. You know, if all you do is live out there, eventually, you know, your, your faith begins to suffer hypothermia. And so we come in here and we, 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 we kindle a fire. I felt the fire today. Got a little warm. Oh, yeah. Warmed up by that fire that was kindled for us. Now and then we might get snake bit. But it's okay. We can shake it off and suffer no harm. Well, how can we do that? Well, because the gates of hell will not prevail. Did you hear our gospel reading today? Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. Some say one of the prophets. Well, then who do you say that I am? Peter said, You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Wow. Way to go, Simon. You didn't just read that in a book. You didn't just have someone tell you that. If you really know who I am, it's because my Father has revealed it to you. And this, is, this is a game changer, so I'm going to change your name. Simon, son of Jonah. Simon Bar-Jonah, I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you, well, upon this rock of this revelation of who I am, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you Rocky. Because you're, you're one of those that has the revelation of who I am. I'm going to call you Rocky. I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you Petros. I'm going to call you Peter because upon this Petra, I'll build my church. 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Church is going to be all right. We're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. Church is going to be all right. You know, the church is always on the verge of demise. It always has been from day one. The church itself is always suffering shipwrecks. And yet we drag ourselves up on the beach and the church survives. Why? Because it's what Jesus is doing. It's what he's building. Don't get in your head, oh, you know, just some people decided to, they would rather, you know, hang out on Sunday morning instead of eat waffles. No, Jesus says, I'm going I'm to gather people in my name. And I'm going to be present to them in a very unique, special way. And the gates of hell won't even be able to stop it. A lot of things come and go. The church is here to stay. It has rough episodes. It has hard times. But it's here to stay because, well, because Jesus. So come on. Let's wash each other with tears of joy and tears of grief. So come on, let's wash each other with tears of joy and tears of grief. What is that? That's church. That's the church. That's doing life together in the church that Jesus is building. It's where we wash each other with tears of joy and tears of grief. Church is where we have weddings and funerals, baptisms and burials. Church is where we don't merely commemorate, but actually live Good Fridays and Easter Sundays. How many of you here have been with us when you've gone through a Good Friday and lost a lot, but you've also been with us when God did something and raised something new up in your life? We don't just talk about or commemorate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We live them. Good Fridays and Easter Sundays. Church is where we share our sweet triumphs and we share our bitter trials. With tears of joy and tears of grief. We share our joys because unshared joy is hardly joy at all. Right? If something wonderful has happened, something good has come into your life, but you can't share it with anybody... I think it's, it's inert joy. It doesn't really rise to the level of joy. It was potential joy. It could have been joy if you could have shared it with somebody, but it never quite got there. So we share our joys because unshared joy is hardly joy at all. And we share our sorrows because we can bear almost anything if we can do it in the company of our friends. You know, as a pastor, I know the stories. You know, I do funerals for the worst of all is for parents burying children. And I always say, how do they bear it? Well, part of the answer is we can bear almost anything if we can do it in the presence of our friends. And I can promise you that I encounter tears of joy and tears of grief every Sunday. That's, that's one of the crazy things about being a pastor, is you can go from one to the other like that. It's a little bit harder because, you know, we're distancing and it's a little harder. But, you know, I've been doing this 39 years. 
And, and you'll, you'll be in the lobby or you can be right here after church. And you can literally go in one minute from someone with their tears of joy rejoicing that telling me what had just happened and the good thing in their life. And the next one, someone telling me how someone they love has been diagnosed with stage four cancer. That's just the church, though. And what we do is we wash each other with tears of joy and tears of grief. And we fold our lives like crashing waves and run up on this beach. Come on and sew us together. We're just tattered rags, stained forever. We only have what we remember. We only have what we remember. Yeah. So our church is to be a house of love, a city of refuge, a shelter from the storm. The beleaguered souls in the house of fear desperately need a house of love. I mean, out there, out there. Or it comes into your house 24-7, cable news. You can pick your flavor, but they're all fear-based, right? And if, you, and if you stay in the house of fear, fear hath torment, and it'll warp you and make you angry. That anger is mostly just disguised fear. That anger is the mask that fear puts on to make it look tough. What you need to do is just get a new residence. You need the house of love. And that's what our churches are to be, a house of love. I liked it that Jacob says we're going to emphasize among our children faith, hope, and love. Because you can just be shaped by anxiety despair and hate, anger. It's in our society. Our church needs to be a house of love. It needs to be a, a city of refuge for the accused, the canceled, the condemned, the vilified that happens in our society, the set upon, you know. You know, in the Old Testament... <clears throat> If someone accidentally killed somebody, manslaughter, they're chopping wood and the axe head flies off and kills somebody. And now their family wants revenge because people think that'll help. And they're after him and he's on the run. He's set upon. They want to cancel him. But he makes it to one of these cities of refuge and there he can live. Our churches are to be a city of refuge for the accused, the canceled, the set upon. Our church is to be a shelter from the storm. A shelter from the storm. Shelter from the storm. <laughs> I was burned out from exhaustion. Buried in the hail. Poisoned in the bushes. Blown out on the trail. Hunted like a crocodile. Ravaged in the corn. Come in, she said. I'll give you shelter from the storm. You're getting two songs today. I've heard newborn babies wailing like a mourning dove and old men with broken teeth stranded without love. Do I understand your question, man? Is it hopeless and forlorn? Come in, she said. I'll give you shelter from the storm. Who is she? She's the church. She's us. We're the ones that are saying to the battered and beleaguered, come in. We'll give you shelter from the storm. In the Apostles' Creed, we confess, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And I do. 
And that's not the Roman Catholic Church. It's the Holy Catholic Church. But, I mean, I believe in the Roman Catholic Church, too. I believe, I believe in the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Roman Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, the Anabaptist Church, the Protestant Church, the Evangelical Church, and we're the life church. Amen. Believe in the church. And what we're saying when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, is we're saying, I believe that all over the world, Jesus is building churches against which the gates of hell cannot prevail. Places where people are going to wash themselves together in tears of joy and tears of grief. So come on, let's wash ourselves together in tears of joy and tears of grief and fold our lives like crashing waves and run up on this beach. Come on, sew us together. We're just tattered rags stained forever. We only have what we remember. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Stand up with me. We only have what we remember. What do we remember? We remember that the body of Christ was broken for us. And the blood of Christ was shed for us. We re remember that. And that as we take the bread and we take the cup, we participate in the body and blood of Christ, and together we become the body of Christ. We only have what we remember. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Join with me in confessing our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The cup of blessing which we bless is our participation. In the blood of Christ, the bread which we break is our participation in the body of Christ, the body of Christ broken for us. And the blood of Christ shed for us.